Zero Waste fans. The word of the day is gleaning, as in food gleaning, as in Jeannie Hunter from the Society of St. Andrew, Tennessee chapter, and how they help save food from going to waste. Did you know that about a third of all food produced is wasted, which contributes to all kinds of climate issues from water usage, fertilizers, pesticides, and methane gas? Michael and Jess interviewed Jeannie to find out what's being done to stop food waste and how you can help. You know, we're a zero waste group in sight, but our, our uh, podcast definition of zero waste is really more about not wasting anything, people, mm-hmm. food, uh, energy. Mm-hmm. It's more about a circular economy than how much of your trash you can stuff into a mason jar. That's not <laughs> what we're about here. Mm-hmm. So we want, we're, we're starting to delve into, and, and we personally, uh, Jess, Maris, myself, we all... Uh, have a lot of uh, close ties to the food community are very interested in what's happening here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, COVID brought some of that uh, to light, which we'll talk Mm -hmm. about in a minute. But one of the things until I met you, uh, Jeannie, I didn't, I'd never even heard the term gleaning before. So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, how, uh, how you got started in this and and what food gleaning is and how important it is? Sure. Um, Gleaning is an ancient practice um, basically since the beginning of agriculture uh, people would go out into the fields and pick whatever was left behind and that was a way to feed the poor and the hungry the widow the orphan if you're going to get biblical Um, and so what we do is actually in some cases really similar we go out and pick whatever food is still left behind or if a farmer has an excess row that they're not using for their csa or whatever it might be um but it's a it's a smaller portion of food waste than you know post-consumer or something like that but um it it still ends up in landfills or uh getting plowed under or um, any number of things that that just waste it so um, I got involved, I volunteered once in college. I actually was there for a cucumber drop. There was a pickle field that, um, well, a cucumber field that um, the cucumbers got too big to be pickles. And so they harvested them and they would have thrown them away into a landfill, but instead they brought them to my college campus and we sorted them out and delivered them to a local feeding agency. Um, and then when I, worked here in Nashville, I took a group of youth to a week-long program where they um, harvest some of that excess food and also learn about hunger and food waste. And so um, that's called Harvest of Hope. And we did a week of picking kale, which was kind of intense. And then um, I got the job a few years after that. So here I am. Nice. And and when you say biblical, it really is. It's even, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I was reading about how... Uh, in Leviticus, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They're saying that you should leave a certain amount of crops for the poor and strangers. Yep, yep. Leviticus uh, and Deuteronomy. Was, yep. Yeah, I, yeah, I think in uh, a number of countries. I, d- I don't know if it's still around now. I think in the UK, at least, I saw that you know up until the 70s, there was an actual law saying that oh. uh, farmers had to 
had to to, to provide that opportunity to certain people huh. um, in a number of countries. I think a lot of them were like very very religious countries who you know followed that certain faith. Um, I don't think it's a thing anymore, but yeah, I mean it was it was a big deal for a while. And I guess like if, if Soviet Union is the opposite of that, right? I was reading about how you could be put to death under certain circumstances for gleaning in the uh, Soviet Union. Oh gosh! What? I read that on yeah, I read on Wikipedia today. It said the law of spikelets, spikelets, sometimes translated as law on gleaning. It criminalizes green, gleaning under penalty of death or 20 years of forced labor. Oh. under exceptional circumstances. That is so they're not so very friendly cool. to that. Oh my gosh. I shouldn't move there. Don't do yeah. it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, there's many reasons not to, but... Uh, <laughs> so, right. um, also here, one of the things that Jess had asked her, I guess it came up before uh, when Maris and I, our, our recent conversation we had with um, Compost Company, mm-hmm. uh, because I was out there filming and they received a truckload of lettuce. Uh-huh. And it, we were talking about that and it's very finicky all of this produce and if they the, the top layer in the trucks get over refrigerated under refrigerated uh, wilted then they ride off the whole truck and dump it and it was a perfectly good pile of lettuce that was going yes. to the composters mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that that Maris was asking about isn't there laws that make it hard to give uh, food like that to people and I saw that there's we have the Good Samaritan Act here, right? Which right. lets mm-hmm. you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a federal law ca- called the Bill Emerson Good Samaritan Act that allows you to donate food, and you you can't be sued for it um, unless, except in the case of extreme neglect or something like that. Um, yeah. And the state of Tennessee has a similar law, and they just had a bill this year to um, improve the the language in that to make it just as strong as the federal law. That's awesome. And I was so wonder. Oh, sorry, Michael. I I was wondering because uh, I, I didn't actually read the the details of the Good Samaritan Act. But does that also apply to p- things like um, you know restaurants and coffee shops and and all that? Like anybody who provides a food. Yep. They actually can go ahead and do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that other food yeah. industries are not offering that and then uh, as far as we're told it's to do with like legal reasons well everybody assumes they're going to get sued and it's it's just not true oh they so we're can't go on and record. it's never happened that's we're go on in record this right country mm-hmm. right never happened in this country you mm-hmm. can give your food away without worrying about getting sued Mm-hmm. Have, have any of you, I can't remember the name of them, but there is a, a, a rogue group in New York, I think, that I, I was watching a just a brief like video on, uh, on Facebook, probably through Vice or something, I'm not really sure, of um, this the, these group of people, they come out like I think every night and, and raid trash cans and they're regular people, they're not necessarily, you know, like homeless mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. they are regular people who are raiding trash cans looking for food, but just imagine if those restaurants actually followed, you know, like actually just gave the food away because mm-hmm. they probably are not going to get sued, people wouldn't have to, to rummage through those trash cans. Right. That There's a whole level of convenience and logistics that has to be taken care of. And once um, something is cooked, there are more food safety measures, um, usually on the, the end oh, of the yeah. people who are going to serve it. Um, so whether they can refrigerate it and also restaurants are open at night and most feeding agencies are open pretty early in the morning and in the day and so it's kind of a different it's hard to get them matched up mm. I, I have a good story about that uh, good we in in high school we moved to uh, a small town in Arkansas and I took a job at KFC and 
Kentucky Fried Chicken. And at the end of the night, you had to throw away the chicken that was cooked, and you weren't allowed to take it home. And I, their, their reasoning was that as a, as a company, they were afraid that the employees would cook up a bunch of chicken at the end of the night and take it home with them. So what we did, we, cause, and they would supervise you throwing it in the trash. The manager would watch you throw it in the trash. We double bagged it, and we would come back and fish the bag oh. of chicken out of the trash <laughs> and take it, put it in an ice chest and take it to high school with us and literally open up, rip open a trash bag full of fried chicken on the lunch table <laughs> at high school <laughs> and everybody would dig in into town. it. <laughs> yeah, we were very popular. Our table was popular so. at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but I always just thought, I can't just waste all that chicken. I'm going oh. to do something with it's, it. Yeah, it's appalling. Uh, and so I was reading that, you know, the, the laws in France right now, they've, they've actually addressed this so that it's illegal to throw food away. But mm -hmm. I, when I was reading deep for, for re, uh, restaurants and grocery stores, mm -hmm. I was reading deeper on that. And it, was, it went beyond that. They were putting bleach on stuff so that people couldn't forage through. The, oh my they were purposely they they would put bleach on it or let it set somewhere and rot before putting it in because they wanted to discourage people digging it out instead of buying it i guess yeah well yeah and it makes a mess and it's a cleanup issue and all that yeah yeah yep. yeah so that's it's great that they're addressing it are there any mm -hmm. is there anything like that happening here are there laws starting to happen or did covid change anything because obviously our distribution system broke immediately and very quickly which you've been responding to we'll talk to that in a minute but mm -hmm. are there any laws on the books i don't think so um i I know that uh, some states are beginning to get more into composting, but I don't know that they're working on the food waste part mm -hmm. of things. Hmm. So when, uh, what I was referring to about everything breaking, so yeah. it's these middlemen, the Cargill, all these food packagers. By the way, they always seem to be a problem to me. Whenever there's some deniability needed for slave labor picking cocoa oh. beans or mm -hmm. anything like that, it's always because there's an intermediary and we don't know where it comes from. Right, right. It seems like a very handy excuse, but that's yep. a whole other topic, not to get off topic here. But uh, <laughs> uh, So a lot of the farms produce for packaging industry, more so mm -hmm. than for farmers markets and things like that. And when the packaging industry broke down because of COVID and pandemic and uh, shut down and, and the whole where we eat our food changed um, it really disrupted everything uh, I was reading about cabbage thinking oh well, of course well cabbage would go out but I guess most most cabbage is sold to speaking of KFC <laughs> people oh, no. eat cabbage and coleslaw, coleslaw. Mm -hmm. out they don't always make it at home and I didn't realize that it affected the things we eat at home are different than the things we eat out so it really yeah. broke this whole system and then you guys have been jumping in. I guess the you're working with some government organizations also. Can you talk about that? Yep. yep. Um, so the USDA, I mean, obviously this has made it hard for farmers to sell their produce as well. So it's not just affecting, um, you know, the people who are unable to afford the food. It's affecting the farmers who are growing mm -hmm. the food as well. And so the USDA, uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, decided to kind of meet that in the middle by... Um, paying farmers directly and suppliers, uh, distributors, and then having them donate that food directly to food pantries and food banks and uh, stuff like that. And so we have been able to facilitate some of that um, donations here in Nashville and Knoxville and Murfreesboro. And we, we get these cardboard boxes that have about 20 pounds of mixed fruits and vegetables. And um, I think 
honestly, it's a pretty good meet in the middle. Um, sometimes there are issues like the boxes get squished or the cucumbers are moldy, but that's going to happen. Um, so it's been pretty good so far. Nice. Yeah, yeah actually. So that I, I hadn't really thought about that because I remember. So I was reading that um, in a typical year without COVID and whatnot, um, they said that approximately 7% of the planted fields in the US is not harvested. Mm -hmm. And actually the number can go up depending on whatever the crop is. Like there yeah. are some crops that it was like basically 50% of the crop for that for that whole year is like, you know, just wasted. Yep. So this year must be insane. There must be so much more that is not being used. And then so obviously you have to work a lot harder to try and get that out. Right. So, um, I mean, we saw on the news that milk was just being dumped and we we saw lots yeah. of that. And, the, and what you said about the restaurants versus grocery stores, we have a couple of growers here in Tennessee that mostly sell their stuff to grocery stores or uh, restaurants. And so when yeah. all the restaurants closed, they had nothing to do with all of that produce. Um, we um, have done hundreds of dozens of eggs in Knoxville from this one farmer who typically sells to a brunch place. And obviously wow. they're not selling a lot of eggs right now. So yeah, it's been, it's been eye opening. So do like, do the farmers contact your organization or do you, are you reaching out? How is that working right now? A little bit of both. Um, the the folks that we've contacted through the USDA program, the USDA has a website and it has all their, their contractors listed. And so we'll, we kind of search and see who's in our area and then give them a call and say, hey, do you need some help distributing this? Because they, they have no idea how to do this. They're used mm -hmm. to doing, you know, big loads to grocery stores and it's, you know, one thing at a time. But we're here um, with and we know the different food pantries in town we know the different soup kitchens we know who needs help um, and so we're able to help them connect with those those agencies do you have an issue with um, I guess like distribution like because you you run off of mostly volunteers right right um, so I mean obviously this is like pretty reliant on like getting enough volunteers and stuff like do you have enough now like seeing as the need is so big um, we can always use more volunteers, um, yeah. but also because um, groups have to be small right now. You can't, you know, gather in very big oh. groups. Um, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'll have to send you guys some pictures. Um, we have a lot of the distributions with, with people with masks and, you know, with the boxes, it's a little bit easier because um, it's easy to just put that in somebody's car trunk or whatever. Um Going out in the fields is is still really fun and lovely and um, lovely in the lovely. summer. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us right? what it's like to pick produce. It's getting, in. It's getting a little worse. <laughs> it's getting rougher. <laughs> but we go out, we go out early and and it it is good to be out in the sunshine and um and to you know get your hands dirty and remember where your food is coming from mm -hmm. um, and. Um, and know that you're there's a concrete way that you're helping somebody so that um we you know people stay in their little household units and stay six to ten feet away from each other while they're while they're picking the produce of whatever kind it is um mostly so far it's been strawberries and greens but we're getting into tomato and pepper and squash season so oh yeah we have more tomatoes than we know what to do with in the in this area this coming yes, up like the yes. tomato fest and <laughs> mm -hmm. I, when I first moved here it was shocking to see like the little independent barbershop I remember it was in East Nashville and I drove by and it said uh, 
free free was it free tomatoes with every haircut <laughs> like that's pretty par for course because yeah. even at this point neighbors are trying to give me cucumbers and tomatoes I'm like uh, i got lots right now right and, and i'm not even growing this year there are is volunteers all over the place those little cherry ones mm-hmm. is that what tomato fest is is because yeah. the neighbors have i never knew that i always wondered it, why we had a tomato fest <laughs> so that was so random but yeah i guess that does make sense <laughs> yeah. huh, so cool so, so what uh so if so take us through what a volunteer would do i mm-hmm. i would like to volunteer i'm worried you know I, i've been locked down you know i i've worried about pandemic and all this i'm mm-hmm. we locked down very early after the tornado once i realized things were going south um, yeah and uh, uh, so it, tell me how, like, what would happen if, uh, what, what's the daily operation if you're a volunteer? Do you have a schedule or is it like, okay, we got a field, we have to pick it today and you text everybody and you go? Um, we usually have a few days notice, um, sometimes a little bit more often. So we have a few farms that are really regular. And so we'll send out an email um, to the farmers in that county or region. Um, and, and then we'll meet up at the field that day. We'll either walk or drive out to whichever part of the farm it is and then um, just start picking food wow and yeah are there so here's logistical questions Mm -hmm. uh, because i know that the farm workers that work in the field work under poor conditions yes Uh, and often there's no bathrooms there's no place to wash your hands do you have facilities like that you bring with you or is it just you have the same circumstances the farms have um generally we have the same circumstances we tend to be at smaller farms and so a lot of times there's something, some kind of bathroom or facility. And if not, we find the closest gas station and let people know where it is. Um, we do keep hand sanitizer <laughs> and yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you, here, here's a thought. I, my mind is always puzzle pieces on how things fit mm-hmm. together. Um, the entertainment industry is shut down right now. And mm-hmm. there, are, there are in town, I think, uh, was his name, Tom... It was Tomcat Catering and all of that, that, that company that... Anyway, there are trailers and honey wagons. The honey wagon, for those of you that aren't in the movie business know, are the, or don't might not know, are portable bathrooms and things like that where oh. people can go mm-hmm. get refreshed on set. And you, they bring that with them on set. So those are all down right now. Maybe yeah. a good write-off for somebody would be to send it some of be. those with your group. Yeah. Um, so if well, yeah, because all of this is, you do get a, a charitable write-off, like mm-hmm. in the, how do you say that, in the in the tax season. Like, yep. so it is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's worth it for... Uh, for the uh, for the growers for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and and there's this equipment sitting around that you guys need. Yeah, well, that's just a good thing. Yeah. So if if uh, anybody is listening from the entertainment industry that has anything to do with Teamsters or the trailers or any of that that want to jump in, we're gonna have you know all of uh, Jeannie's contact information uh, and everything on our website when we finish this. So let's I do have, it. Let's make that's a difference. That's a great idea. I uh, I did actually have a question. I couldn't really figure out the answer to this. So obviously, you're, um, you know, you guys are, are coming in, you're providing the supervisor who then gives instructions to the volunteers mm-hmm. who then get the food into the, the trucks or whatnot, and then they get distributed to a certain place. And actually, I've even seen that like, in some places here in Tennessee, they're even sending the food to like sheriff's office because I guess oh, maybe mm-hmm. food pantries are not mm-hmm. as readily available. I'm not really sure. But is there a way that somebody can come in and uh, volunteer to, to pick the food and then just bring it home for themselves? Is that something that people do? Um, we, don't, we don't 
we're not very strict about regulating who who comes or who gets the food. Um, if if somebody's going to come and volunteer and take food home, if they need it, that's fine. Right. If um, you know they're just like, oh, some free tomatoes or whatever yeah that, that we, we just gently remind them that this is for hungry people who need some help and yes, yeah. hopefully their conscience helps them do the right thing so. yeah <laughs> so so the next phase after it's picked then you mm -hmm. guys have to distribute it and i know that i'm sorry go ahead depending on where we are um sometimes the food banks depending on who has um refrigerated trucks or depending on what kind of produce it is they can come pick up um, and then take it straight to their food pantry or food banks. And sometimes the volunteers, if they have a connection with a specific food pantry or food bank or soup kitchen or whatever, um, can drive it in their cars. So the, the transportation is definitely a piece, but... Um, and, and you need refrigerated trucks. Depends on the produce. So for potatoes or sweet potatoes mm -hmm. or something like that, you don't. Um, for greens or you know cucumbers, something that's more perishable, it helps to have that, yeah. So the same idea for the bathrooms. You've got the refrigerated trucks yeah. not hauling things to the to the uh, middlemen right now. They're setting vacant, so there's a there's a connection. Well, a lot of them are doing those U USDA boxes. Okay, good. Yeah. So it's working at that point. Yeah, and and, and then it's so all relative. Here, but but like if people wanted to donate towards something like that, uh, I know you just have a general fund, right, that you mm -hmm. can donate to. Yeah. Uh, on your website, but yeah, I would like to see you, your organization have some refrigerated trucks and or storage somewhere in town to be able to not be so last minute on some of this. We have a very minimalist model um, and very tight budget. And um, we are beginning to work with um, other groups that have big refrigerators, you know, built into their buildings for whatever reason. Um, there are some like mega churches that were built in grocery stores, and so they still have that refrigerator section in the back. And we're trying to trying to create a model where we work with them to um, have an interim place to have cool cool food if we need it. Um, we do we the uh, General Mills. Uh, yogurt producing plant is in Murfreesboro and they send us truckloads of yogurt all the time and because yogurt is so perishable and temperature sensitive we mostly send it straight to big food banks um, but a lot of the little food pantries would love that but it's a matter of having a refrigerated place to unload it reload it you know all of that so so we're trying to work on it on a model where we can um, work with community members who have those big refrigerators and um, can help us help us with those kinds of situations that's awesome and, and yeah. so have you talked to I, we mentioned you to I, I told you when I emailed we've talked about you twice on episodes so far mm -hmm, so we might mm -hmm. as well have you on yeah <laughs> that was the thinking uh, we, when in talking with Clay about the issues, Clay Izell from Compost Company, mm -hmm. you know, about how they could turn that into a donation. Yep. Uh, and it was about they don't have any place to store refrigerated to save that produce, and it's hot as it gets there. Mm -hmm. Have yeah. you talked to them about are you working we with did. them on that? We um, did. He told me about that same load of lettuce. Um, we're both on the Nashville Food Waste Initiative um, advisory board, and so... Um, he was mentioning that and I was like, Hey, so, um, we, we got in touch with some organizations that are kind of that part of town and, and said, you know, if Clay ever calls us, go get it. And, um, and we'll just, you know, send it out so that they know. And I mean, any 
anybody getting it and eating it is better than nobody. So, and they, and the rest obviously can still be composted. So it's different from the yogurt that would come in from nowhere and have nowhere to go. Um, so yeah, we've talked about that. I wonder if there's a way to get the, get the, uh, insurance company to prioritize because they're writing it off as yeah. a loss yeah. and the, to prioritize one quick well, stop. Or they can write it off as it. a donation. I don't know right. which, which is more, um, beneficial to them. Hmm. Yeah. It would be so helpful if they could do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause obviously, you know, getting the food out to, to, to hungry people is, is super important. But I think also why we really like it is it, it, you know, it, it helps with, uh, you know, wastage of like, well, I mean, all, all the, all the water, all the energy, all the fuel, all the time, all the mm-hmm. money that goes mm-hmm. into creating all these fields. And then obviously if seven to, to 50% of that stuff is going to waste, then yeah, all of that stuff just went to waste. So I right. mean, by doing this, you can, you know, help do the, the, you know, the, the, the circle that Michael was talking about right. earlier and it would, and save so much and we do keep track of what uh each farmer donates or each provider donates um so that we can give them at the end of the year a tax document that says what they've given us throughout the year um and yet you were saying it can be anywhere from seven percent to fifty percent um grocery stores are really picky about the size and shape of their fruits and vegetables so um you know sweet potatoes have to be a perfect little football and if they're a little too big or a little too small or a little wonky um or have spots on them you can forget it and sweet potatoes grow underground so like you can't pick it when it's just the right size or whatever and you, you just dig it up and see what happens we went we were at one farm um and he had 15 acres, I think, of sweet potatoes. And because of the way the rain had been that summer, I think this was uh, 2018, um, all of the sweet potatoes were either really skinny and long, like fingerlings, except sweet potatoes, and then, or they were like as big as your head. And there was very little in between. And he was like, this is all just trash. And yeah. it was like, no, it's food. Yeah, that so. could definitely still feed some people. But I mean, like culturally too, like yeah. people are also really picky. I mean, back when I was young and used to work in stores and stuff like that, I mean, people would refuse to buy uh, a box of cereal that they brought up to the register because they saw that it had a dent in it. Yep. And the it wasn't open. The plastic bag right. wasn't open. Right. They just didn't want the ugly dent on on their stuff. So they would actually put that back. And I would I would actually volunteer to buy that myself because I mm-hmm. knew therefore that it wasn't going to go back on the yeah. shelf and yeah. it wasn't going to get used. People, so I mean, yeah, people are whacked. Yeah, well, That's what I, I mean, and that. they've been trained We're that too way. Picky. Yeah. When you walk in the grocery store and you see all the all these sweet potatoes that look all the same, you think that's what sweet potatoes just look right. like. Yeah, you don't un- realize that that's only what half of sweet potatoes look like. Yeah, or uh, or the thing about McDonald's fries, I always come back to that because they want these perfect fries with no dark spots and no. Mm-hmm. And so McDonald's, as an organization, said we want a certain quality of potatoes and we want nice fries for our customers. Well, then the industry responded by throwing away ugly potatoes mm-hmm. and and GMO and chemical treating and and to the point where a lot of the farmers that raise potatoes wouldn't eat the potatoes that they raise because they're yeah. raised to look pretty for McDonald's. Yeah. And McDonald's intent wasn't to cause this cascading effect, right. not that I'm pro fast food or anything, because I'm not, but 
it did happen that way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. So it's ruined the potato industry and, and the idea. And, and something else I've learned is I, I buy my produce from White Squirrel Farms, which is a CSA here in town, mm-hmm. which is a, what does CSA stand for? Community? Community Supported Agriculture. Supported agri- it was a, It's a way for farmers to be able to sell directly to the public and not have to have you know, grocery licenses, I guess, or grocery, what it's a, it's a streamlined mechanism for them to sell direct. Mm-hmm. But we've had conversations about the ugly fruit because they'll get, I'll get carrots that have like two or three, you know, heads on them or whatever, or tails, you know, sprouts growing off of them and, mm-hmm. and potatoes like that and things. And their, their position was actually that that pr- piece of produce was under stress and duress and it's actually more tasty now because it had to fight its way to existence and it has a better flavor. Oh, so like, they value like game, those. right? Like, yeah. isn't that the whole point of game too? Like when, you, when you, you're hunting animals, like they actually give off like a, a better flavor because of the hormones from the stress or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is that so in all your hunting days, uh, <laughs> yeah. vegan Jess? All the hunting that I do. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, so and, I've heard, guys. So I've and, heard. <laughs> and all this produce has been bred over the years to resist disease and resist getting squashed or whatever it is. So now it's all, it's not bred for flavor anymore and it's not bred for nutrients anymore. And so we end up with this kind of like bland, like grocery store tomatoes are the worst when you have. Oh, I hate them. Yeah, they really are. Garden yeah. tomatoes. Um, and waxy apples. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like the peaches, the peach truck, we're so lucky here. I mean, I feel like Nashville is, is the best food I've ever had access to. Good. And having the peach truck bring Georgia peaches and all these different varietals all the time, uh, it's just pretty amazing to have that. It's such a big difference than what you get at the grocery store, which is. is raised to survive shipping and transport and not for flavor. Right. And um, grocery store peaches have like a quarter inch diameter that they have to be within. So oh, if no. the peaches are too big, which like there's no such thing as a too big peach mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're too big. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah, it really is. I just posted a picture of the peaches today and I think I posted a picture on my Instagram account. And I think cause it, the bag that I had had big ones, little ones, all mm-hmm. different sizes, but it was probably the best bag I've gotten all year. I was excited about it. So I took a picture of it and posted it today on Instagram. So, yeah, it's awesome cool. to get good food, I'll and I think out. everybody should have access to good food. Yes, yeah, well, sure. and that's that's one of the other good things about us. You know, a lot of food banks and food pantries are donated, really processed stuff or canned stuff um, because it has to be shelf preservable, um, or they end up with the day old pastries, you know, that have been collected and donated. Um, and so, being able to give them fresh produce is a real real gift for them and for the people receiving the food um, because they can you know make whatever they want from it or uh, give it to people to cook at home but it's it's nutritious and you know it's a treat to have some fresh stuff after everything you've been eating lately has been canned or boxed hey zero waste squad we're gonna take a minute and run an ad for a company that we love compost nashville composting doesn't have to be complicated messy or even time consuming Compost Nashville can set you up with a lidded bucket to store all of your food scraps and compostable materials that gets picked up once a week from your doorstep. It's that easy. By signing up, you're not only diverting 30% of trash that would normally go into the landfill, but you're also getting finished compost to use in your own yard twice a year. Not into gardening? No problem. Compost Nashville lets you donate your finished compost to a local farm or community garden. Last year, your fellow Nashvillians used this service 
to divert 730 tons from the landfill. This 1.5 million pounds of compost removed over 1,400 metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions from the air. That's like taking 3,687 cars off the road. Use the code TRASHTALK for 50% off your first month when you sign up at compostnashville.org. I think what's so exciting really is, and I, I didn't know this until we started talking to you, and so I feel like a lot of people don't realize this either, but the you know Society of St. Andrew has been, what, gleaning since the 70s or something, and it's actually nationwide. Like, it's been in... Uh, I, uh, by the way, I'm going <laughs> to stop here because I learned a new word. The, the contiguous... 48 states contiguous mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. yeah it's whatever. a hard mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm super foreign right now but you yeah, kind of learned a new word <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, yeah but anyway so yeah the 48 states um mm-hmm. plus dc or something like that right, they, right. i mean it's you guys are doing stuff in in each of those and gleaning is happening in each right yeah yeah we have offices mostly in the southeast and also indiana but then uh there are volunteer groups and volunteer coordinators that kind of have little you know, area clubs or whatever, um, all over the country. Yeah. Yep. Just think how, I mean, that's obviously, you know, you're not getting all of the wasted food out there, which which is a shame. And, you know, we'd love to see that to getting bigger and whatnot, but I mean, at the, even at this point, like you must be saving so much Yeah. and like helping so many people get food that like wouldn't, you know? Yeah, last year, just in Tennessee, we rescued about a million pounds. Um, And this year with the USDA boxes, we're already at 900 and something thousand. And so we're going to hit a million probably before the end of the month. Um, So, yeah, it is. What do you you think you would need to be able to do more? Um, We definitely need to get the word out. (laughs) I mean, money, of course, but we definitely need to get the word out more. I feel like uh, farmers still don't know about us and mm-hmm. um we don't we don't have the biggest budget for advertising um or or the connections necessarily to to do that um so yeah i think uh farmers knowing about us more can always use volunteers yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i think that's an important point of the volunteers and the people worried about you know the spread of disease and, and covid right now mm-hmm. um the fact that like you said, people are in their, their pods from their families and you drive out to the fields and you do, it is something you can do to get outside yes. and social distance right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you're a native to the South and you don't mind the heat and humidity <laughs> <laughs> and uh, willing to do some, uh, some hard labor to help somebody, you definitely should volunteer. It's, it's better than sitting around working on a puzzle or playing gin rummy. Yeah, it feels good. Just bring some, bring a water bottle. You'll be all right. Yeah. A, a refillable <laughs> water bottle. Yes, and, yes. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. That's <laughs> hopefully you guys don't give out plastic water bottles but sometimes you have to do what you do what you have to do actually because i did wonder that too because obviously uh when you guys are uh distributing it to people is that how is that is that going into like plastic bags or is it reusable bags like how you know are are you able to how's that going (laughs) so we um we use plastic bags yeah sorry um, no, I mean, we use like the, we use kind of the mesh bags, you know, that like a bag of onions or a bag of potatoes will come in. We use yeah. those, and um, when we're picking greens or something, we use big old trash bags. Yeah. Sorry. What about? Uh, okay, we're gonna work on that. Yeah, okay. I, agree. I, I think we're with that. I mean, yeah. so the, the people that come to 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 pick up the foods are they usually regular people? Is it? I mean, it's probably the same people who need help all the time, typically, right? Um. 
it's the agencies usually that we're dropping off with and they have some of them have the capacity to like if we have um you know the big blue ikea totes Mm -hmm. we'll sometimes be able to drop stuff off with those and then go pick them up later um but but not all the time so and yeah yeah so two connections there First mm-hmm. one, clay and uh, his yes. uh, r- the reusable uh, produce bins that they get. All those trucks dump their bins there with the food and never come back to get them. So he has those collapsible plastic uh, bins. Uh, he helped provide some during the tornado relief. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing that just came to mind is all the breweries around here those big brewery bags mm. uh, that the grain comes in is something oh. that a lot of mm-hmm. I know that um, uh, Jackalope uses those for the neighborhood trash pickup they save those that would be great um, yeah so there's some ideas we'll help work on connecting for yeah, you. yeah yeah I mean we use the reusable plastic totes for for um, tomatoes or peppers or something like that kale's just tricky yeah I bet oh yeah mm-hmm. so um the other thing that I was reading I wanted to talk about is because we talk about the 7 to 50% in the field going mm-hmm. bad, but I, I think worldwide it's a third of all the food pro- the food produced in the world rots in the field, in transport, or is thrown away. And that's, it's, you know, not a, it's a massive waste of food. It's contributing to methane gas into the environment because it's probably yeah. not being composted because a lot of composting organizations don't even accept food, which is ridiculous on its own, um, especially here in the United States. So well, yeah, because oh, sorry, Michael. Yeah, it, probably, it either goes under. I can't remember the word for that, but like back into into the soil. So obviously, mm-hmm. it's going to produce the gas, gases from that, or it's just going straight into to, to landfill, depending on where it's mm-hmm. being picked up. Right, from. and I, the number I've heard is forty percent. So oh wow, wow. so even more than a third. Yeah. 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 So and a lot of that is coming from you know restaurants, and I have the statistics somewhere. I don't see it right now, but they're, the, the, a lot of it's coming from restaurants and supermarkets. And yeah, some of the it vast majority is post-consumer, so grocery stores, um, most of us in our houses, and, um, and yeah, restaurants. Um, it's, I, think, I think it's like 10% of what is wasted it happens at the farm level, but that's still a really significant amount of food um, yeah. when you're when you're looking at it. I mean, they, um, are you familiar with ReFed? I'm not. Um, it's an organization that has specifically done research into food waste. Um, and they put out a report in 2016 and they suspect there's potential for about 10 billion pounds of food to be gleaned uh, still. And there are other ways to use that other than just donating it. Uh, they want farmers to... Um, you know, sell the the ugly sweet potatoes for canning, or to, um, you know, to chefs, the, right? yeah, you right, or to yeah. chefs, or to chefs um, cut them up. You know, you're not presenting the right. food whole, or, a lot or some restaurants. other kind of value added um, process that the farms can do, because they because they also want farmers to be able to make money, because um, farmers, especially fa- small farms, um, are are not doing that great. Um, mm. And so, so different value-added processes like making salsa with your ugly tomatoes, or making jam with your ugly peaches, or whatever it is. Um, that's Common that, sense. Yeah, that's one of their suggestions. Um, well, as opposed to the landfill, yeah, and right. and plowing it under is actually probably one of the better solutions. Um, if they, if things are um, composted or plowed under, 
in the environment where they have access to microbes and oxygen and all that, they don't create methane gas in quite the same way. Oh right. yeah, you're kind of right because that's yeah. there is the there it's is composting. the version of compost com- <laughs> composting which is like you fill you, you dig a hole and you just fill your hole with that and then come, mm-hmm. yeah 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 okay yeah yeah okay. yeah and, yeah. and <laughs> landfills <My bad. laughs> don't have don't have that oxygen or all right. those microbes in the same way and so that's why they don't break down quite as and, well and i yeah. would i would i would suspect that most of the trash that comes from restaurants and and grocery stores is not going to be composted it's uh, okay. oh yeah, no. yeah there no. are a few around town that have a little sign in their window or on their door that says we compost with compost nashville or the compost company and i always get excited when i see that yeah that's I, great I'm, i've disappointed that grocery stores don't do it even turnip truck here in east nashville doesn't compost their they're, they have all that food prep that they do for their hot bars and their takeout food, and they have the produce department, and they just throw it in the... It's up I to individuals. I would love to know, like, what their actual reasonings are for that. Like, is there some kind of... It's uh, inconvenient, and it costs yeah, money. Everybody, you that's the excuses. Is? Oh, yeah, we don't have a place for it. It costs money. It wasn't working well. They mm-hmm. have all kinds of excuses, it, but it's it makes, really about... It smells, whatever. Yeah. Uh. I, think, I think a lot of these initiatives, like someone up high says, we're going to do this, and then they just assume it's all trickling down to the people doing it. And and we've seen that because I think uh, we talked about in our first uh, podcast episode, we, we all went up to uh, Hunter Station, which has every, it's a food court that has all the intention of uh, everything plastic is bioplastics and compostable and they're very green they tried and all that. So hard. They That's try great. really hard. They, really but they didn't educate the people that work there. It's like the people on high said, <laughs> yeah, we're doing this and everybody has to use this. We go in and talk to them and a lot of the people selling stuff didn't even know what compostable was. So there's no way they can tell customers what to put in what bin. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the bins and they're marked plastics where everyone puts the even though all plastics sold there are compostable everyone sticks it in the plastic recycling bin which actually pollutes a whole load of plastic and causes its own other problems Mm -hmm. so i think that the it's the top down the people that make these decisions have to be firm in their commitment to it and then everyone along the chain needs to be educated and and not just said you do this it's like this is why we're doing this they should understand it and i don't think any companies are are going all the way down the chain with that. There's a lot of training that has to be involved. Um, have you talked to Kroger yet? Not yet, but mm-hmm. I'm excited that they're, they're on, uh, we're doing a thing with um, Turnip Turnip Green Creative Reuse. Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> we're doing, a, they're doing their yearly fundraiser, which we go to, and this year we're gonna be part of it. We're actually gonna talk on, it's virtual, so. Uh, but one of, the, one of the big sponsors and speakers is the Kroger, uh, zero waste food initiative. So I'm yeah. interested to see what they have to say, and I'd like to make that connection even virtually. Well, we um, work with them a little bit too. They give they give us some funding, and um, I was at a dinner, and they were talking about how they were going out to different grocery stores and doing um, dumpster audits, and then. Uh, from that, using that information, they would go in and talk to the butcher or the produce manager or whoever it is. And so I, I think anyway that they're doing a decent job with, with that um, training. So maybe little by little, but I feel like they're doing all right. Maybe well, we should and try and like directly speak to them if they, well, if they we're, would. We're I think about it would be to, an interesting, yeah. 
Yeah, we're yeah. about to because uh, the other thing that we want to talk about uh-huh. is a plastic bag recycling yeah. drop-off. We found out that that's kind of a fake deal, and we want yep. to confirm that. Or I think that's something that know. our listeners need to know is like, you know, you hear, and, and, and this is why we're skeptical with Kroger, because we mm-hmm. can see that they are maybe doing some good things, but like how much are they doing and like what really happens on the back end? So like, yeah, mm-hmm. like Michael was saying with the trash bags, we're finding out that those places where you you can don't you know drop off your trash bag and mm-hmm. stuff they're actually not being recycled so they're they're being uh, incinerated or or whatever so uh i think that's the thing that our listeners need to need to know is when you hear something don't take it on face value and mm-hmm. don't trust everything like do your own research and ask so if you know if you hear that so and so is doing recycling ask you know, mm-hmm. don't just assume it's working. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and let people know you appreciate. Let the companies know you appreciate it. Mm, I mean, I, I think I think you. I email people all the time. I tell them thank you. I we mention it in the store. I think mm-hmm. there ne- we need to support the companies that are doing, even if it's imperfect. Mm-hmm. Support things, and, and we need to encourage even just having the conversation, asking. Um, what we hear when I what I hear a lot with with a lot of organizations is oh our customers aren't asking for that, and so we all yeah. have to ask for it for them to know it's important yeah. that we yeah. expect them to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Kroger's a good example. Like the things like reusable bags, literally, Kroger can say we want to go in this direction. We want everybody to do this. We want to limit our plastic bags, but then they don't communicate that to the checkers or the people bagging who roll their eyes and act like it's a big inconvenience that you're a weirdo you brought your bag in. Right, right. Now, you know, we don't mind, Jess and I, I'm sure you either, uh, we don't mind being the weirdos right now, but some no. people, that's a that's a social barrier that they have a hard time crossing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it definitely all has to be communicated. Um, and they're going to, f- they were anyway planning on phasing mm-hmm. out the plastic bags too. That's right. right. We did hear about that mm-hmm. actually, like in twenty. 20- 21 I don't remember. or 30 or so, I can't remember. Somewhere it was something that was kind of far away and we were questioning why it would be that far well, away. But it, It's logistically tough for people to change things. But also some of Kroger's reasonings is because the biggest institutional investors they have said, you will do this or we're pulling all our money out of your corporation. Mm-hmm. So suddenly they've got oh. their zero waste initiative and all of that, which is great. Mm. Again, somebody spoke up and said, we want you to do this or we're not going to be part of your organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, I'm cynical, but I don't mind when a big company makes a small change because I've said this before, you know, they make a, Kroger makes a little change and takes 100 billion bags out of the environment. Right. It's more than I can do talking till I'm red in the face every day, which I am red faced anyway, but till I'm red in the face every day about environmental issues. They mm-hmm. well, one little change and it's huge. Yeah. So yeah and then I, other I'm people so will skeptical. have to follow suit. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even mind the reasoning. They don't have to be, it doesn't have to be altruistic. It can be monetary. <laughs> it's fine. Just make these changes, people. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, back to the food. So what would you like, uh, what's your pitch? Uh, tell us who, who you want to come help you and why and why they should do it. Uh, we want everybody to come help us. Um, it's a fun thing to bring your kids to. We don't have a minimum age. Um, it's oh, good gosh. for them to, to see where their food comes from and get their hands dirty and experience some of that. Um and it's a good it's a good family activity it's a good um it it saves the planet and feeds hungry people at the same time so it's Mm -hmm. a twofer um you can feel extra good for your contribution to the world um yeah 
Awesome. How how do they contact you? How do they reach out to you? Our website is endhunger.org. My email is Tennessee at endhunger.org, and that's Tennessee spelled out. Um, and yeah, just email me. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for okay, talking you. to us today. This Absolutely. Is, uh, I'm hoping that uh, because this is definitely a crossover issue to a lot of people who care about sustainability and the environment yeah. and 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 food and so i i hope that our listeners activate and and uh and sign up so, yeah you know. well it's also interesting that the the virus made a lot of people go back to disposable oh um, my gosh i know i mean and not just like masks and gloves but uh you know starbucks went from being able mm-hmm. to bring in your cup again to not and, and yeah all it the was plastic bags that was an active uh, uh, push by the fossil fuel industry. They yeah. were ready to go for this. Oh. They got, I mean, th- what, it's the CDC, and it's first of all, when they said Americans don't need to wear masks, I'm like, okay, I, I no longer trust you. When they said that early on, I'm like, that's, this is political or financial. There's some other reason. And, you know, they're saying now it was because they didn't want the hospitals to run out of PPE. Wow. Well, if we're all wearing masks, the hospitals wouldn't be running out of PPE. So I didn't trust them. Well, they them. also could have just told us to make our yeah. own damn masks yeah. like they did anyway you yeah know? it was mm-hmm. it's back to that you know not not being transparent and and uh, not letting us know why and i think that was a mistake because it it eroded trust but then also the plastic bag the uh, and the utensils for them to say that restaurants that wash dishes and and sterilized hot water with soap uh, which is what kills the virus to start using plastic utensils and plates and is it was the most uh, that I was like okay red flag that's political that has nothing to do with reality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and our lovely governor got out there and told restaurants to be doing that as well so they just took their cues from the fossil fuel industry's press release and said oh that makes sense yeah and you know plastic bags oh yeah sure disposable bags are going to be cleaner than reusable bags like uh, all of that was just ridiculous yeah. First of all, if we're shopping every two weeks, there's no germs left on the handle of the bags, right? Right. right. And you don't even have to wash your bag; the germs go away. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's irritating. That, in the same way that you would wash your your mask, you can yeah. also wash your yeah. bag. You know? Do they think it's safer for like the restaurant workers who have to cart that silverware, dirty silverware, back to the kitchen? They still have to throw away the plastic, so they're still picking up that's stuff okay. to throw it away, probably. All right. Yep. I mean, there's some logic, and that's where it's like, okay, well, maybe, but right, no. Right. I think that ultimately it was there. There was a concerted effort to to get rid of plastic bag bans and the and the single use plastic. Well, bags. yeah, and Tennessee. I mean, that Tennessee is one of those uh, mm-hmm. states that tried to pass a. I don't know how that ever panned out, but um, tried to pass a law that said cities couldn't ban plastic yeah, bags. Yeah, they did pass that law, and oh, the governor okay, signed it. Yeah. yeah, it's the ban the bans law is passed yeah. here in Tennessee. Yep, that's it's, what we do. Absurd. <laughs> it's like when we started and we were trying to teach people like the, the the things that you can do and should do and shouldn't do. And we've got all these videos and it could be so easy for everybody to just scroll back and, and read what we've already done. But then we would see the same questions over mm-hmm. and over mm-hmm. again. Like, how do I compost? Where do I, why should I compost? How do I do that? And we're like, we already told you and it's right there <laughs> and then they change the rules it. on us then yeah. they change the rules oh, on us no kidding God. yep mm-hmm. <laughs> well because i think that's the thing it's it's not just it's not just metro i think you know the the whole point was up until last year with the sword or whatever it was the china thing 
nobody oh, yeah. knew that mm-hmm. they had to care they and nobody just, cared yeah. yeah they were just taking everything and sending it away and uh, nobody knew they had to give right. a shit so now they have to give a shit and they're like oh my god what do we do with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still I'm, am looking for something to do with straws like Nothing. I don't know if it's a craft project or like weaving baskets. I don't know, but I, I want to <laughs> yeah. find something to do with straws. Maybe we can, you have can a we lot make of furniture from it. <laughs> not not particularly, but oh, I feel okay. like if if everybody <laughs> collected them, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know the, that we can craft our way out of, I know. of these problems. <laughs> it would be nice. Like I, I Cheryl gets mad at me because you know I've got we I finished I buy bulk olive oil in a big tin like a like mm-hmm, a gas mm-hmm. can almost mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the tin's empty, and she's ready for me to recycle. I'm like, I bet someone on our group will make something out of this. So I'm going to take a picture of it and post it. But <laughs> we, this is not practical. Then someone's going to come pick it up. Or the, you know, right, it's right. The, the hassles with all of that. It's just, That's it's why I'm really glad I have my, like, storage room that w- eventually when I get all the shelving in it, I can actually put all the junk that eventually I would like to find something to do with it or get give it to somebody who can then i have all the room and all the space to do it but wait is that different than you had a separate apartment just for all your stuff (laughs) and everything in your car that was spilled to the brim all the time (laughs) you can take it to turnip green yeah we do take stuff to turnip green. we do we do but like there's only so much that they can do like you know because again it's still down to the people to come in and get it so like that's the thing like you know rather than just dump it onto them i could do it myself so yeah i used to live with that stuff and have like Mm -hmm. she little sections in my house because i was like okay okay this furniture will go somewhere and then this clothing will go somewhere else and then these funny little plastic things i'll do something with them and uh so yeah when we found this this home i was like this is perfect because i now have like a room that i can put that in in an organized way and i won't have to live in it (laughs) yeah i always have like a one goodwill box going and often a turnip green box but yeah. yeah yeah turnip green's good we ebay like the weirdest stuff also put it on mm. for 99 cents yeah and I i'm to shocked get onto at how eBay. many people buy things on ebay that we would i would have thrown away yeah. at one point i started just it was like a garage sale i started selling everything and i i, I made five or six hundred dollars just selling stuff that was virtually useless to me i thought that and ebay was dead for a while i didn't realize that it was still usable yeah so, no i yeah and i just sold like we had replaced our dishwasher and i had tried to fix it first and i bought some parts so not only did I put those parts on eBay, but I put the ones I pulled off that were obviously still good because when I replaced them, it didn't fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So I just put all that up, 99 cent auctions, and then if it's popular, sometimes people bid it up. Old handlebars on bikes that I, it just, one of them was went for $60 for a handlebar for a bike. Oh, oh my and God. Uh, I was going to donate, you know, you can donate those to, actually the, the, the bike donation place here in town, uh, they need parts more than they need bikes, by the uh, way, in okay. case anybody knows. There's one on Charlotte. I'd never it? heard oh. of it. I got to come up with the name of it again, but I was shocked. I didn't know it was for kids. They offer bike repair camps and they, they make, it's awesome. Yeah, I was surprised. I hadn't heard of them because in LA, I was a part of several groups: bike oven, the bike kitchen, the the bike bicycle library, all this places where you could go work on your bikes and get parts and help mm-hmm. and stuff. And there's nothing like that here, but there is. It's just for kids. That's why I didn't know about it. Okay. It's on it's on Charlotte, kind of before you get to all the hospitals up there on the left. It's on the right hand side, halfway up, kind of. I bet you could get some folks together and do that. Get the walk bike Nashville people and mm-hmm. help them out. Well, yeah, get they have them a. To- yeah. plethora of bicycle donations when everyone cleaned their garage from COVID but what they need is working parts to fix those up with right right so I took them a bunch of parts and they're very happy so, I bet yeah 
Good. Well, we'll let you go. We appreciate all your time. Thank you. It's good talking to you guys. Yeah, and feel free to keep in touch. Check in with us whenever you have something. If you have something also, by the way, that you need help on for a day, we can put it out to our people. Mm-hmm. You're you're even a member of the Zero Waste Nashville Facebook mm-hmm. group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just feel free to post all that stuff on okay. there. Post whenever you want volunteers. Just mm-hmm. It takes repeated postings. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Today. All right. You guys take care. Okay. Thanks. Bye.